Well, well, how goes it over there? Well, you know, everything is, as my husband would say, everything crisp in uh, Leisureton. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's very colorful over here. Like the camera is just like, yo, it must be like the camera is just like, hey, it's NBA season started. You know, it's earnings season. Mm -hmm. We're in la going into the last quarter of the year. Woo. Yeah. True, 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 true. So I think I think everything is just like, look, man, you ready to get up out of here. We out. How are you? Yo, I'm actually really good. Um, I took like a I had to take a power nap because this weekend was super, super intense um, okay. with we had our photo shoot this weekend and the team and I the photo shoot was 16 hours and we're tired. <laughs> we're really tired. So I had to like, you know, recover. But That's you know, a lot of photos. It was over 3,000. But, you know, you got to take that many because you don't know which ones are going to, like, fully come out, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, sure. anyway, sure. it was it was fun times, you know. We're creating the visuals for Leisureton, so. Oh. Stay tuned, Mark. Prepare to be enchanted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. Right. On that are note. Are we live? No, yeah, kidding. we're live. I'm just kidding. I knew. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, Lord, help me. Well, what's up, everybody? I'm Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, and all things galactic over there in Leisureton. Rocking the fresh W2 who? I see yes. it. I see it. W2 who? Where? What? Why? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, we got a lot to get into today. Like, for example, talking about earnings, you know, somebody said put some respect on their name. We've been seeing okay. the markets do their thing. So without further ado, go ahead and cue the intro. Okay, so I'm kind of, you know, we may have to like set up some new intros, like, because I think that we need some more variety in the in the spice of things. So, yeah, we may have to do some things there. But uh, all right, so let's get some of the obvious stuff out of the way. Like, for example, if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below. So that way you can be checked into a ton of dope content for you to learn from. And of course, you know, essentially start your journey. And on top of that, if you want to be in the know, who was it today? Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Shout outs to King Rail coming through with the one word, fam. He had his notification bell on and we salute you, my guy. I hope all things are well with you. Thank you for having your notification bell on. So that way you are first in the chat. So, and if you want to be like King Rail, go ahead and have that bell on. So that way we can shout you out next time. And on top of that, uh, if you think that the content is pretty dope here on the Come Up series, go ahead and hit that like button because we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, but yo, if you want to save it till afterwards, that's fine too, because we'll earn it. And we got a pretty dope show for you today. So let's get into it. Like for example, Jolyn. Yes. What happened in today's markets? What does it, cousins? It's Jolene GC in the place to be coming to you on this fine Tuesday with these market updates or oh, whatever. So we got the Dow coming in at 337.98 points. So now we're at a level of 30,523.80. The S&P 500 was up 42.03. Now we are at a level of 3,719.98. And the NASDAQ coming through with a respectable 96.60 points. Now we're occupying levels of 10,772.40. Moving on to sector performance. As you know, there are 11 sectors. We like to track the top three and the bottom three so we can see what that rotation is looking like. Coming in um, in the top three, we got industrials, materials, and utilities. And then for our bottom three, it's energy, health, and communication services. Now, mm. if you are just now um, tuning in or you know, you're new to all this, we have these things called like the pick list and you can find that pick list on our Instagram page at that come up series. And once you do that, you scroll through and you will find all of our picks, AKA the sips. 
And the top three for today was Target coming in at 5.35 percentage points to the upside. We got Twilio coming in at 4.12 points in phase, positive 3.77 percentage points. Then for our bottom three, uh, we got PDBC, negative 1.118%. Netflix, I'm going to leave an asterisk by this Netflix announcement, but Netflix, asterisk, negative 1.73%. I'll come back to it. And SQQQ, negative 2.43%. So you can see that in the market today, we're starting to, within our um, pick list, the bottoms and the tops are starting to get closer and closer together. So, you know, starting to consolidate. Yeah, just making note of that. But let's talk about this aftermarket, okay? Because guess who was on fire in the aftermarket? You already know. After um, market earnings call announcement, um, positive on the top and the bottom, beat the expectations, okay? Smacked them up, smacked them down. And we are now in the aftermarket 14.38 percentage points. So you know we got to talk about um, Netflix and these earnings and see what they were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. subscribers, all that. And then I do want to note, Mark, that all yes. the sips, like I just want to make note of this, like let the record reflect or whatever, that all sips are up in the aftermarket anywhere between um, 0.35% all the way up to that 14.38%. So the aftermarket right now is on fire. Now, granted, you know, some ETFs are unchanged. And I think there was one of the picks that was um, unchanged, but all the other ones up in the aftermarket. If it's up, then it's stuck. So interesting. Very, very, very interesting. What does it mean? So what were the number one shows that they had of course, it was the Jeffrey Dahmer story. And then, of course, coming through second was Stranger Things. And then, of course, they had a few other shows like, you know, Gray Men and stuff like that. And it's very interesting to see exactly how it played out. And one of the interesting notes that really stuck out to me was when Netflix said, yo, stop caring about, like, the subscriber numbers. We're more than just subscriber numbers. That was a very interesting line there because, it's like, for the most part, Netflix has always been judged based upon its subscriber growth. So is that a meaning to say that, okay, hey, well, one, you're dealing with the law of large numbers and you've already had significant critical mass numbers that were hit. Now, of course, there's also this crackdown in 2023 that's also going to take de- that's going to take place. So, you know, if by chance you happen to be a part of that in that number, just want to let you know if you've been you know not aware that Netflix will be cracking down in 2023, which is like those that are like, you know, sharing passwords and everything else you know, a little bit too excessively. They may have to start cutting back and then ultimately possibly nudging you to get your own account and then possibly. You know, throwing on the cuffs and saying, okay, you got to, you got to go. You got to get your own subscription. Well, um, <laughs> HBO Max better not do that because I'm hella on yours. <laughs> I am on yours. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so interesting fact, though, it's like, yeah, they came through significantly. They said that Netflix has higher engagement than any other streamer with room for growth, which I believe is true. In the UK, Netflix accounts for 8.2% of video viewing, 2.3x in Amazon. Uh, so that's two, almost two and a half times Amazon and almost and definitely over two and a half times Disney+. Plus. In the US, Netflix accounts for 7.6% of TV time, two, over two and a half percent of Amazon, a little bit one and a, a little bit lower than one and a half uh, times Disney and Hulu Plus and Hulu Live. So very, very interesting. And they also had an interesting note that says our competitors are investing heavily to drive subscribers and engagement, but building a large successful streaming business is hard. We estimate that they are all losing money with combined 2022 operating losses. Well, over 10 billion versus Netflix's five to two or five to six billion annual operating profit. So a little slight little flex there uh, by Netflix. Um, interesting. And it was very interesting because I just saw in the chat, we have a first time subscriber. Thank I'm you, good. Andres. Uh, welcome to the group. Um, but yeah, so it's very, very interesting to see exactly how things are playing out. Um, some things to keep in mind, and I was having a conversation with Lawrence actually uh, earlier today, and we were talking about Netflix. Mm-hmm. You say what? So what Lawrence got going on? Oh, so I mean, oh, man, brother man's busy. So shout out to Lawrence because he's definitely coming to an episode of his own fairly soon. Thank so you. he's very excited. Um, but whew, yeah, I get chills when, when when we sit down and talk about those things. Um, but the interesting thing to pay attention to with Netflix is, you know, if we move beyond subscriber growth, and of course, if we're just looking at, you know, revenue, and if we see that the six ninety nine, there's some legs to it as it pertains to people being moved off and then going into their own accounts and essentially 
from there, you know, you've converted folks from going from, you know, not paying anything at all to just paying $6.99 or maybe even paying higher because I'm probably assuming that if you are on somebody else's Netflix account, you probably afford your own Netflix. Um, that's just me assuming. So, you know, if you can't, you can't. That's okay. Um, but I do believe that they can pen- they can actually break into some of that market to open up new subscribers or new customers, and that can also create tons of opportunity. And that's globally for Netflix. So that's very very interesting to pay attention to for sure. Um, and then on top of that, there's this other thing like. I'm just looking at the verticals for Netflix, right? So like, just chill with me for a second here. Okay. So what if, like, I'm going to play the Marvel's what if. (laughs) So what if by happenstance that Netflix, their gaming does become pretty well. And then they literally start to bring that as a bundled package alongside with, say, for example, viewership content. And what if by chance that they also get into an audio space as well? And what if, Netflix maybe also gets into the running for acquiring content from other major uh, companies or just acquiring these companies, like let's say an EA or an Ubisoft. Now, for those of you that don't know Ubisoft, you know, they have an amazing library of content or as, as it pertains to gaming content, a lot of AAA titles there that can also be converted into movies. I mean, if you think about the Tom Clancy who, you know, Tom Clancy's known for his books, but then also for video games, which have very strong occult followings. And then imagine those being underneath the umbrella of Netflix, where you have content for TV shows alongside with, you know, content for movies and you name it, of course, video games alongside with that as well as merch. So that's interesting. But then also, what if they also get into the space of, let's say, an esports where they open it up for other live content? So Maybe not going into the professional landscape of space, but what about amateur space? So there's a lot of potential vertical integration into the Netflix platform in which they do so well. Like we've seen them do live content before. We've seen them do syndicated show content before. Another thing that they can work on is like um, they can, instead of just doing the entire season, so that way you can have prolonged watch times. What if by chance you did every week or every other week, you release two episodes of the show? So again, it's like there's just small little tweaks or just small iterations here and there that open up big arenas for Netflix as it pertains to the potential verticals in which that they can go. So right now, Mark, that weekly schedule will kill my vibe. I mean, I guess two episodes at once would Mm -hmm. be like the compromise, but that's the whole, what are you're going to just be, it won't be Netflix and chill. It'll be Netflix and and then wait till the next week. Oh, stop it. You'll just run onto the next show because I mean, one of the interesting things that we're probably starting to see is an oversaturation of TV shows where there's just too much content. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's eyeballs are being drawn into every which way. Everybody, it's kind of like this oversaturated market of, you got a streaming service, you got a streaming service, you got a streaming service. Mm-hmm. And it's like the networks kind of like knew that, okay, hey, that nobody wants to buy cable TV anymore. Mm-hmm. And they realize that generations want to like literally like grab content in which that they see fit through subscription and especially, you know, hassle-free, you know, non-committal subscriptions versus, you know, traditional cable networks, you have to be locked into a contract of some sort. Mm-hmm. So again, there's opportunity within this space, you know, and then, you know, somebody said it best, you know, if you think about it also, like uh, Cousin Lou said, VR mode. You know, if you look at within your Meta Quest or Quest 2 Pro or whatever it is, um, there's Netflix there. Now, of course, they could build a space there. So again, there's tons of opportunities in which that Netflix could literally... And keep in mind, they make money for stuff that they already own that also goes to theaters as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of verticals there for Netflix in which that I'm seeing. And I, like I said, I like the flex in which that they're doing. Because if you really look at it, like... Now, one of the interesting things that they did mention was Apple TV+, Plus, uh, which was interesting in their note um because apple tv they are really starting to step it up as it pertains to their content and really making a challenge towards netflix Mm -hmm. but like i said there's a lot of like just imagine if you did a group viewing where you had say for example a theater mode where you can literally watch like like have a party mode with friends in netflix you know so again like there's a lot of opportunity and space in which that you can keep people engaged within the platform and then provide other arenas outside of just your basic streaming space that i think that they can just turn on the levers to because I'm probably sure that Netflix is the type of company where they will like to test things. But then at the same token, it's like, are they enough of risk takers to take that risk? Um, 
That's the question. And like I said, Apple TV, I think that they're one of the biggest challengers within the space. I don't believe that Peacock is a huge challenger. I don't believe that Disney Plus is a huge challenger because when you look at their original content, it's kind of like, eh. Um, and they're playing, it's like they're playing off of a lot of other existing content versus true original content. Mm -hmm. So again, and, and it's like the other arena to look at for Netflix to see exactly where their growth channels are. Just here's a here's a little, you know, and I, and I said this to, to Lawrence, I said, Pay attention to the type of content that starts to hit Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like, it's no surprise when you start to see content coming in from specific arenas. Like, for example, when Af when African content was very heavy, that lets you know that they were definitely pursuing, you know, the Africa. Like, they were definitely pursuing Africa significantly. Now they've they've now pursued and they've started to make inroads. So now they're looking at the next inroads, which is somewhere in Asia. So. I'll leave that for homework for the cousins to find out exactly where specifically, because it's very interesting where the next phase of content is coming from in the Netflix, uh, in the Netflix arena, but it's somewhere in Asia. So, you know, they're very specific as it pertains to the channels in which that they turn on. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to what they have in store and, um, then seeing what the next, um, you know, measurement for them will be. Cause they just told us, you know, don't judge yourself. A lot of folks are a lot of folks are saying India. Nope, they were already in India. <laughs> well, I know what it is, but I'm not going to say. So anyway, um, what's key about moving forward with Netflix as far as um, really, it's going to be about their spending, like you know mm -hmm. their cash burn and what they're spending for content. I think that they really still need they still need to get that under control. Um, I think that also we are really going to be paying attention. I think over the next two quarters, what their revenue looks like from that uh, that ad supported plan of six ninety nine. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. That's going to be a very interesting take to see exactly how that plays out. Um, let's see here. Wait, question. Do you think um, they're going to get like licensing for um, like the English Premier League or? any of that because i that don't know if they'll take the in english premier league because that's mm -hmm. highly like nbc that really controls mm -hmm. that and mm -hmm. they're paying like significantly top dollar you know they could potentially go after nfl but i think that that's going to be unlocked by apple and i think apple is just like kind of like biding their time because they realize that they're really the only game in town mm -hmm. um so that's why I said I think that the, the huge opportunity mm. that Netflix needs to pay attention to, which is a huge growing market, is amateur sports. So, like, think about, like, for example, you know, how much people have been watching high school basketball, high school football, how they're starting to, like, literally pick up volleyball and other related sports are really starting to pick up. So I think that those are huge opportunities. You know, there's there's huge opportunities there in which that people can watch. And then that turns on your Friday night, that turns on your Friday night viewership for Netflix. You know, your Thursday, Friday night, and maybe even Saturday night viewership that becomes Netflix for live content. So something to think about as it pertains to like, what is it that they can do? But again, it's like, you know, when people will be saying that Netflix is dead or, you know, other companies within the communication sectors are dead or that they there's no growth opportunities for them. You know, like, you know, looking at these companies. No, it's just they take breathers like, you know, you, they reach the law of large numbers. And then it's like we're waiting to see what the next trick is. We're so like there's such this huge sensationalism of like quickly rushing to judgment just to say that, OK, hey, this company has done this. And then that's all that they are because of the fact that this has been their lexicon. Mm -hmm. But that lexicon really starts to become a moat for the business, which if you've already built a moat for the business, then everything else around, like everything else outside of that can be a potential vertical for the company that can possibly be a potential moat of the future. So like, if you think about the app store, the app store for Apple wasn't always the moat. It became the moat as they started to invest more into the services market. Their market before their moat before that was like, for example, their iPhone. You know, if you look at Am if you look at Microsoft, its moat has always been PC sales. Now it's starting to be, you know, cloud services, which mm -hmm. is their moat that they build businesses that surround that that are surrounded by it. Like for example, they build services on top of the cloud infrastructure because of the fact that whenever you start seeing somebody build something on top of it, and that's your moat. So Something to like, just think about for everybody as you start to put together your two to five year or your five to seven year plan, depending on what your time horizon is for the companies, you know, start thinking, don't just look at what they have now. Think about what they have now that gives them safety. And then think about the things in which that if they do plan to take risk on some things where the market and the economics open up, because I always tell this to even entrepreneurs, does the economics support the business model? And does the business model complement the economics of the time? So what makes Netflix so dominant? 
is because of the fact is is that they've got pricing power. Like look at like if you get the chance, go look at the price the price point of where Netflix is now coming in on the ad supported business versus the other entry level prices for some of the other streaming services. You'll see that Netflix definitely beats them out. So again, there's strong upside opportunity there for Netflix, and especially if they turn on other levers. I mean, it could get very very interesting moving forward. And like I said. The one thing I I don't expect Netflix not to do is to still not acquire content and create content. Mm-hmm. But I think that sooner or later they're going to have to make an acquisition. So, um since we're talking about earnings and, you know, we got to I don't know if there's any other companies you want to talk about, but for tomorrow. Oh, you I can go down the whole kid and caboodle list, but uh <laughs> Well, maybe we go back, but <laughs> Because we're on a very tight schedule, like right on the dot, we have to go. That's fair. That's fair. We have to go right on the dot. So, so I think that you're talking about Tesla next, right? Eish. Okay. So we already got the numbers as it pertains to the delivery. Uh, mm-hmm. So we got the delivery numbers for the quarter. And it came in light. Um, so of course, analysts have had to go back and revise their, probably revise a little bit their earnings estimates. You know, a lot of folks are saying that there's a demand crush for Tesla. And here's something that a lot of folks don't really understand here. Like my mentor and then a friend of mine, their family just really took took delivery of their Teslas recently. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Kaz, by the way. Hey. Um, <laughs> so, and shout out to Tunde as well. Um, so interesting fact, when they bought it, when they, when they reserved their Teslas, those Tesla prices were a lot lower. Mm. So one of the things, interesting things that I've learned is, is that, you know, they're locked in at those prices. So why would I walk away from those prices, especially in a high inflation environment, though I'm locked in at that price? I mean, you, a lot of folks are taking deliveries now with appreciation. Like, a, like imagine receiving a capital gains tax on your vehicle because the vehicle has appreciated in price. That's wild. That could be you know just imagine what that world would look like you know we've seen houses of course houses as assets now imagine what that looks like if your car now becomes an asset Mm -hmm. like that's crazy so like you know like you're seeing cars that are being you know taken as as it pertains to the delivery for about ten thousand to twelve thousand dollars worth of profit and the other interesting thing is you know, looking at Tesla, I think that honestly, their quarter is going to be solid. I think that everybody is really focused on do the do the earnings revisions revise, which I don't believe that they will. Everybody's going to be focused on can Tesla deliver by the end of the year 1.3 million vehicles. Where where are we on some of the other spaces? Like, for example, the Tesla, the Tesla semi truck. I wonder if some of that revenue will also be accounted for in in the earnings call. Um, also, we want to know about Cybertruck. Like, what will that look like? So I think with Tesla, it's not really about like the delivery numbers because we already got those. I think that everybody is going to want to know what comes next. So do we get any potential insight as it pertains to the guidance or what's coming down the pipeline? If we get any whiff that, you know, things are good, then I think that we're probably going to see that a lot of companies are going to have solid quarters across the board. But at the same token, if we see that there's any potential slowdowns or pushbacks, like, for example, supply chain bottlenecks or, say, mm-hmm. for example, issues as it pertains to import export, that could potentially be an eyesore for some of the investors that could possibly drive the stock down temporarily. But in the grand scheme of things, here's the thing that a lot of folks also don't know. If Elon's able to meet that benchmark as it pertains to the goals for the year, that could also be very, very interesting because of the fact that a lot of folks don't pay attention to the fact of his stock offerings that he gets. Mm -hmm. And the stock that he gets is like it now becomes something that's fully vested, that becomes fully vested. So like imagine taking, let's say, hundreds of thousands of stock at like, let's say, four to 12 bucks a share, but the stock is trading at 200 and something a share. Yeah. (laughs) So again, (laughs) (laughs) so again, I'm not worried about a Tesla earnings. If I had to make a call as it pertains to any of the earnings, let me go ahead and pull up. Um, let me see if I could pull up our pick list real quick and see if there's anything that could potentially pose any you know risk as it pertains to earnings. So I'm looking at MKL. Um, that's insurance. I think that insurance is still going to be something that people will pay. Though that I think that there is going to be some inflation there. So I think that they can definitely do some. I'm going to just go down the whole list real quick. So okay. we're getting ready to go in hyper mode. So All right, let me and while I do that here, let me go ahead and let's see if I could just save the image. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do something pretty interesting tonight. Okay, and let's see if I can present and share screen. So for those in whom wish that don't ever see the pick list, here it is. All right, so we got the pick list here up on our screen. So let's just check this out. So uh, Devon Energy, I think that they're gonna have a solid quarter. Um, I think that you know pretty much oil energy companies are gonna do fine as we go into the into the close of the year. OIH is an ETF. I think the MKL Merkel Insurance Company. I think that they're gonna do fine, though. I think that they're probably gonna come in line. AXP is something American uh, American Express, I would definitely be paying attention to. Um, the banks, as you've seen, uh, regional and major banks, they've been doing significantly well. Costco, definitely pay attention to as it pertains to potential inflation, but they have pricing power. And another thing about like wholesale based companies, when you see that a lot of companies are holding on to significant amounts of inventory, where do you think they push that inventory over to wholesalers? And so mm-hmm. I think that that becomes an advantage for Costco. Um, Apple, I mean, of course, a lot of folks are paying attention to iPhone, but though I think that the services business and it's uh, other devices are going to possibly prop it up for the time being. Amazon's AWS services, I don't see that companies are going to stop their spending in the cloud. So I think that they're going to be fine, probably in line. Tesla, I've already discussed. Microsoft, I think that now, of course, with all these companies, given that we're receiving the US dollar at, I would say the one thing that I would say that could be a potential risk, I would say pay attention to uh, foreign exchange issues. Of course, given that we see other currencies dropping and, the, and yet the US dollar is still sitting pretty high, um, that could possibly weigh, in, weigh on the earnings. Though that I would be interested to see if some of these companies are choosing not to repatriate their cash. So that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, Home Depot, um, I definitely see some struggles there as it pertains to inventory costs um, or inventory just slowdown in, in sales. Google, I definitely see the ad spend dollars are still going to do just fine as it pertains to YouTube propping it up. Um, let's see here, looking at State Street, I think that they're going to be just fine. JP Morgan, we already heard their earnings. Um, AbbVie, I think we already heard their earnings too. But if we didn't, I think that we should be expecting some pretty in line numbers. And Best Buy, I think that they could possibly be at risk, uh, given in the sense of the of the inventory issues, of course. But again, if people know that inventory buildup has been significant, then a mm-hmm. lot of things get discounted. So it could have already been it could have already been ready for in the previous quarter. But again, I think that Best Buy is at a high risk. Uh, I think that NVIDIA uh, and AMD are slightly at risk, uh, given in the sense of their inventory issues. But I would say, you know, watch for the holiday sales there. I don't think that their Q3 is going to be that strong, but I think that their holiday quarter should be fairly strong because of the fact that things are highly discounted. So with those two companies, I would definitely be paying attention to, you know, what the shopper, what the shopper sentiment is like during the holiday season. And if they give guidance as it pertains to like, you know, somewhat positive outlook there, I think that that could potentially save the stock. Um, FTNT and Zscaler, I think that spending is still good for those, especially over the next two years, because of course people are going to be spending within the cloud. Uh, Netflix, we already put some respect on their name. Target put some respect on their name. Uh, Nike, uh, though that they're heavily supplied, but then I think that again, just like AMD and NVIDIA, those supply issues become opportunities. Uh, Accenture, I'm a little worried. Restoration mm-hmm. hardware, not very worried as much though that I know that wealthy people are starting to scale back as it pertains to the spin and that could potentially hurt restoration hardware because that's its number that's its major market. Uh, Enphase, I think that we've already got word on them. Um, Joann's, um, sorry, babe, I love you, but <laughs> somebody's going to get a hurt today. <laughs> uh facebook or aka meta because we got to change that ticker now so i guess i might have to come up with a new uh pick list um meta i think that there actually may be a bounce back with uh meta so you know but i'm watching that very closely because i'm thinking about the small businesses Mm -hmm. though that i think that you know i think the thing that could potentially hurt them is the amount of spending that they've been doing and the fact that they've been slowing down their spending and operating expenses you know, again, it's a toss up, um, but I do believe over the future, over the next two years, I think that they they got some strong upside coming in, especially since you see that a lot of companies are going to probably start building things that support the meta platform. And I think that that's going to be probably a bread and butter for them. Um, let's see. But as it pertains to earnings, definitely all eyes on, on guidance and definitely all eyes on the ad spend dollars to see if the ad spend is not going to be there. Um, UPS, I think that there's 
there's definitely going to be some issues there due to the rising costs as it pertains to shipping costs. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to know, uh, I'm definitely going to want to know how is that going to have impact. Unity, um, definitely, I think that there's going to be some hurt there, uh, given in the sense of its cost. And I think that this could be an area that spending could come back. Um, Caterpillar, uh, industrial, I think that I think that we could be possibly seeing the industrial market make a comeback. And I think that they do have a little bit of pricing power. But again, agricultural markets have been hit. I think in California, there was a report that their tomato uh, production was down by 17%. And that supplies significantly much of the United States. So that's something to pay attention to. Lamb research alongside with the rest of the chip sector. I think that the big, it's not really about what happened during the quarter. It's more so about their forward-looking guidance. Um, and then we got IWN, Dow Jones Industrial, uh, FDN. I think that that's just a mixture of all those companies. CrowdStrike alongside with Zscaler and uh, Fortinet. And then PDBC, uh, again, um, I think that, you know, it's going to come down to guidance. And essentially, I think that those numbers come in line. So, uh I think I got to everything. So when I look at energy companies, you know, I look at like, you know, companies that are going to do very, very well as it gets colder. You know, you predict the weather, you can predict the price of oil. Um, and the things that, you know, I would definitely say be very, very mindful of is, you know, outside of paying for, you know, uh, increasing your dividend and also doing a stock buyback. What else is there? I mean, that's good and all, but that's just a one time pop. So uh, I would just be very mindful to see exactly what happens with energy, especially as we look beyond 2022 and look to 2020. 23. And there's a there's my run through very quickly of the earnings of the pick list yeah. of what I expect for earnings going down the pipeline. Well, we'll have to once those earnings are released, um, we'll have to come back and uh, and just yeah. And, and for the folks that are like, you know, listening in when you're like, oh, man, he just ran through those very quickly. Yeah, it is. So, you know, make sure that if there's a company on there that you're that you're looking at or that you're researching and everything else, you know, cross reference this video based upon what you're seeing, you know, because again, this is just what I see. And mind you, I just went through, I don't know how many companies in a matter of minutes. So again, there could be something that I could have missed in this video because of the sake of time. Um, and on top of that, it's just, you know, top of the dome. Um, and I'm probably sure that I probably missed some things, but I will say that, you know, definitely go back and look at the previous quarter and look at what their guidance was there, because that sets a huge line in the sand, you know, as it pertains to, you know, hey, that that's what like this is what they said last quarter. Mm -hmm. We're going to be we're going to be like checking on them, like from what they said last quarter. So, like, for example, that's like telling your parent when you got to see the last quarter and then they be like, all right. But, yo, mom, I got to see this quarter. But don't you worry, because next quarter, look, man. I'm going to be like a solid B plus A minus. So now when we look at, say, for example, the consensus, we're going to be probably looking at a B plus or a B. Uh, so on your report card and anything less than that, ugh, anything more than that, A. Have fun, go mad. So again, it's going to be very, very interesting to see play, to see how things play out. Um, another thing to pay attention to when you look at this list on the come up series, it's a good solid. It's a good solid handful of companies that give you a solid read. I don't know if you noticed this, but I did mention things that were like tied to economics that could have impacts to some of these companies. Now, I know you guys like definitely check out like Department of Labor statistics. We check out tons of other economic factors. But for me, the greatest economic factors that I get that are economic reads are from a lot of these companies that sit on the list. So when I think about, let's say, a Visa or a MasterCard or American Express, you know, one, it, it tells me about consumer spending. It also tells me about credit usage or, cre or, or credit. Um, when I think about the chip sector, it tells me about how things are set as it pertains to pricing for innovation. When I think about, let's say, energy, it tells me about, of course, you know, things in which that outside of just oil that like literally heats homes and everything else. But I'm also thinking about stuff like rubber, all those other resources that oil is used to help create. When I think about Amazon, it, it definitely tells me about the consumer. When I think about FT&T, Zscaler, CrowdStrike, Microsoft, it definitely tell and and some of the other players. It tells me about, let's say, for example, the enterprise. You know, how much of the inter how much of the major corporations are truly, truly spending? Are they spending at all? So there's a lot of good details in some of these things that you can literally put together as an overall consensus just to see where we're at. So you know, those are the things that I'm going to be looking at, and I'm also going to be looking at opex spending, so oper operating uh, uh, operating expenses to see if they went up or to see if they went down because. That will tell us a lot about, you know, of course, recruitment, headcount. You know, did they really downsize just to essentially save their, their next few quarters? 
cut down spending or what else did they do to get creative? So again, something to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, also, cross, like cross-referencing all those things within the different sectors, the 11 sectors, and seeing like how economics will impact each of those sectors as well. So you can kind of have a, a broad um, view of how the economics will and can impact the individual um, industries within the sector and then the companies within the industries. Yeah, I agree. So please take a take a breath, take a breath, take a breath. Now, okay, so moving on for the rest of the week. So we talked yes. we already talked about, you know, Netflix and yep. Tesla and what to expect yep. for tomorrow and then the rundown. So mm-hmm. now as we're preparing for act two. Mm-hmm. Um and this quarter right or this uh fourth quarter. Yep. Um what what should we be um, studying right now besides what we were just talking about from the earnings perspective? Um, what's next? So what's next? I mean, of course, we're getting ready to go into an election for a midterm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're definitely looking at November as it pertains to potential rate height of 75 points um, or 75 basis points. And then, of course, potentially another 50 basis points in December. And then I'm probably, you know, thinking that, you know, by this time, the data should have caught up. I mean, one of the things that a lot of folks don't realize when we look at rate hike environments, you know, it takes about six to nine months per rate hike to literally come into the market. So like, let's say, for example, if I hike, the, if I hike rates by 75 basis points today, some things will be impacted like starting that day. But in order to actually truly see its impact across the economy, it takes about six to nine months. Now, of course, I believe given that economies move a lot faster, I'm going to make an adjustment to that and probably say four to six months where we start to see that those impacts start to take place. You know, one of the major or some of the major things that we've seen across the economy, uh, especially like the numbers, was that we saw that inflation had significantly spiked this year, but where? So like, for example, places in travel, we thought that it was going to be food and energy. But yeah, of course, those have started to settle back a little bit. But the one place that hasn't really started to pull back a little bit, which accounts for 30 percent, excuse me, is housing. And that and that is like the slowest moving indicator because of the fact that it should be housing. If it's if, I would say this, the, the most stable parts of the economy move the slowest. So in order for you to see the impact of those things. It's not like we're like, okay, we're raising 20%, 25% rent, you know, this month and then, and then, and so on and so on and so on. No, you're going to probably see that for the year. And then you won't see the impact of that and probably till the end of the year. And again, there's like two major points in time where we normally see that, you know, rates for rent are typically move at their highest. What is it during the summer? And then also what is it? Maybe the spring, you know, nobody really moves during the fall and winter unless you're buying a home. And it's like, if you think about college kids, they move, they move in during the summer and then they're probably preparing to move out during the spring so you know and it's, it goes kind of interesting because it's also the same thing for like general tenants as well so the reason why i say this is because of the fact that we haven't fully seen you know that at its full peak yet we've seen that prices have rise but we haven't seen the the full impact as it pertains to the rise in you know you know we haven't seen the rise yet the, like where it's like where we've seen that that overall peak in in some places 30 percent and rent. We haven't seen that hit the, we haven't seen that, we haven't seen that hit the economics yet. So that's something that I'm definitely going to be paying attention to. And especially, you know, if it's, if that's the thing that I'm looking at, I'm also looking at as a cross reference to consumer sentiment and consumer spending. So as we go into the holiday season, I'm definitely going to be watching, you know, what the consumer spending looks like. I think we saw Amazon Prime Day numbers weren't as good as they were in July over this. I think they had recently Prime Day or two day Prime Day, and it wasn't as good as it was in July. So that could be a very telling sign that a lot of folks are choosing to sit there in savings because of the fact that the market hasn't very much so spooked. So, you know, those are the things that I'm going to be watching for, mm-hmm. you know, across the board. And then, of course, I'm going to be watching to see what the with the S&P 500's, you know, true, you know, earnings, you know, earnings growth looks like. So we're getting to that point where everybody thought that S&P earnings was going to be six to eight percent. Currently, we sit at 12 percent. So does that hold up? We're going to see. <laughs> Do we hold up in double digits, you know, because then there's a lot of folks who got that wrong. And then, of course, I want to see exactly like, OK, hey. 
One of the things that I also paid attention to is the three month and 10 year mm -hmm. uh, yield. Um, they almost inverted this morning. That was <laughs> that was almost pretty spooky. Because for those of you that don't know, a lot of folks follow the two year and 10 year inversion. I like to follow the three month and the 10 year. And when I saw the three month and the 10 year come very, very close to one another. Woo! <laughs> I was going to start my... I was going to start my recession song. I don't really have a song. So, <laughs> <I hope> not. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's a lot of things to really pay attention to. You know, of course, you know, right now, the, the name of the game right now is earnings and guidance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not even just what the, what the print is, what the top and the bottom line is. It's more so in the sense of what is it that they project over the next year? So what do 2023 earnings guidance or forward earnings look like? You know, do you expect to see... That you're still going to have solid earnings growth for 2023. Do you believe that you made it, you know, out of the out of the woods now, and now that you've made it out of the woods, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Now, on a geopolitical front, um, at the beginning of the year, all these years are like melting together. But I believe it's the beginning of this year we were talking about um, like the importance of looking, you know, on a global perspective. I'm um, in yes. India. So um, what are you, well, leaving the war aside, um, the invasion of Ukraine, because that's a whole other um, topic. Yeah. Besides that, <laughs> what... What are you looking for um, from India? Growth, GDP growth. You know, that, that's that's the biggest thing. Like, if you go back and look at India's GDP over the past few years, it'll actually show you something. You know, a lot of folks have said that, you know, hey, they're, they're not growing as heavily. Hmm, okay. Maybe you may need to go, you know, cross some, uh, cross some T's and dot some I's and see, because, you know, the data print for India reads a whole different story. Now, of course, are they are they getting hit just like everybody else? in the market, of course. But, you know, who stands to have the best opportunity coming out of a recession? My eyes are still on India. When you think about like what manufacturing is starting to move to India, when you think about, you know, companies that are already doing business in India, you know, the talent that's there in India, you know, those things are pretty major. Like, you know, that could take a lot of, that could take some potential share from China. And I'm probably, I would probably be looking at to see, you know, I would probably be looking at seeing, you know, if I'm looking at China, you know, and especially if China tries to invade Taiwan, you know, what does that, what does the entire chip sector look like now? And I think that that's the reason why you see a lot of companies that are moving their process. They're trying to move their process as fast as they can outside of, you know, areas that could be considered highly critical or a high risk now due to geopolitical environments. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm also looking at Europe as it pertains to what's happening there because, oh, these past few weeks have just been a lot. You know, you've had one person that, that is now being asked to resign and another person that has recently lost their, you know, their role. And there's a lot that's in flux there um, as it pertains to the country spending or or specific tax cuts. I think it was like 45 billion in tax cuts and that, and that got pulled back. So again, it's like there's a lot of economies out there that are significantly hurting and the question is is like you know what does it look like in 2023 does it get worse or have we already seen the worst and now we're just like you know because everybody's talking about recession right mm -hmm. if we've been talking about going into recession for quite some time and we've already had two negative gdp quarters right well remember what i've always said you never know you're in a recession until you're you know people start talking about recession though that around the time naturally when we start talking about recession you're on your way out of the recession so will that hold up and will that still be true that we're coming out of this recession slowly painfully mm -hmm. um but yet we're still coming out of it and yet you know everybody will start hitting it very hard like I the mean, global economy, the global economy is already in a recession, like hands down. Yeah, I made a note to um, look at Brazil's economy. They've been in recessions really since, honestly, since the Olympics. Yeah, there is. Um, I got to remember there was something that made me put that on a tickle file. Like, OK, let me come back to this. Um, and I got to find the article that made me think. Let me look at um, what Brazil has going on. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it's like, you know, think about Italy. Italy still has not come out of a recession <laughs> at all. Wow, so. Yeah. I mean, their unemployment rate was, oh my gosh, it was, it was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, it's like, you know, there's a lot, like I said, the global economy has been propped up very, very well, but yet at the same token, you know, a lot of economies out there are 
really, really hurting. And a lot of these comp, a lot of these countries play a huge role in the supply chain as well. So the global supply chain got significantly disrupted during COVID mm -hmm. and it just doesn't come back overnight. And think about how many businesses went under during COVID because of the fact that, you know, think about like, when you're, when you, a lot of times we, we, we look at things very easily because of the fact that it's like, okay, hey, we see companies like Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and all these other companies that have tons of cash, right? Mm -hmm. And we assume that other companies that are publicly traded and other companies that are overseas that are, you know, moving in the same way. And we think that they're just as strong. And in reality, like some of these, some of these companies are just a few quarters in it or just one pandemic from literally like the story, like literally rewrites itself, you know, and here we are in a, a record high inflation moment, you know, where the cost of capital is so high, you know, it can choke the life out of a lot of the companies out there. So again, it's like, again, it's like, you know, that those are the things in which that we got to pay attention to, you know, it's easy. Yeah. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the companies here in the U.S. are definitely stronger. I mean, if you want me to say it, U.S. companies are definitely stronger than most of your companies overseas. Most. So it's like, OK, we got it. But yet at the same token, just because these companies are just as strong, what good is a strong company that's going to have to just like literally sit there just in cash or figure out whatever they're going to do when the rest of the economy is struggling? So just like take like an Apple, the glorious darling of the market. Well, what happens when European sales and Japanese sales and, you know, sales in China drop because of the fact that their economies are so tough and that the cost to acquire these things is so high and their values of their dollars or their currency has fallen that it's like, OK, hey, they have to choose that or food or energy. Hmm. Lord. You know, again, it's like it doesn't make it doesn't make Apple a bad company. It just means that essentially the economics at that point in time are not supporting the thesis that surrounds a great company because of the fact that the global global. The one thing that can trump a dope company or, you know, a phenomenal company is a global economy. Goodness, all of the. Um, sorry for the doom and gloom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, okay, so out of the doom and gloom, we have to yeah. remember, you know, what is that? The adage that more fortunes um, are started in crisis than any other time. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, that, you know, it's, and it's funny because people always say, like, you know, don't buy into a downturn and all this other stuff. But, you know, like, if you're buying stock, <laughs> if you're buying stock, you know, most people that I, I can't speak on behalf of everybody. Most people that I know, the conversations that I have, you know, those high level conversations that I sit with people and have, and, you know, we discuss, nobody cares. <laughs> if anything, they're just looking at, you know, hey, that this is an opportunity in which that ultimately I can add to my position. Like, think about all the times that Apple has fallen and Warren Buffett has added to his position in Apple. And, you know, years later, like he doesn't really care about what's happening three, six, three months, six months, nine months. He doesn't care. Like he's looking at it overall over a period of time because he knows that essentially that over a period of time, unless the company is that significantly damaged, that the company will get back to whatever form of glory that it's at. You know, companies just don't stop producing value just because there's a short term interim period in which that the global economy goes through periods of, you know, weakness. So you got to think about it from a perspective. Like it's easy like, and that's the part where it's like, I tend to notice where people who have a trader mindset, mm -hmm. like completely try to use a trader mindset when it comes to an investment mindset. Like, I'll give it to you from my perspective. When I make a company, when I make an investment on an early stage company, I don't care about what's going to happen over the next three months, six months, nine months. I'm probably going to care about like, okay, hey, over the next three years, five years, eight years, maybe 10 years, exactly what does that return look like? Or what is the IRR from my firm? You know, what do those things look like? You know, I'm going to look at those things and say, okay, hey, great investment or, you know, hey, you know, the investment is probably at worst flat. But it's like a lot of times we walk into investments as if we're traders and it's like, okay, so let me get this straight. You're going to buy a stock today and then treat it like it's a trade for, let's say, three months or six months. Like, what's the purpose? Like, you know, the, the amount that you say, for example, will have to pay in capital, short-term capital gains tax doesn't even make it worth it. So again, it's like, you know, like you got to think about like, what are you at the point in time when you're thinking about like such a position? If you're thinking about it like a trader as a person who trades positions, whether cover calls or whatever, or options or whatever it is, that's a different mindset. If you're thinking about it from an investor, you're thinking about it from a totally different mindset. Investors focus on the long game. Traders mm -hmm. are more so short term because of the fact that there are so many different impacts. There's so many different factors that have impacts to their decisions in the short term. So again, like that's 
you know, those are the things that people miss. So like, for example, if I'm in a position, let's say if I bought in a position at Apple in November, let's say as an investor, and when the stock was at, let's say 170, and then the stock came all the way down to 130 or one something, you know, not 170. And I'm there for, let's say a three, five, eight, 10 year standpoint, or more like five to seven or five to nine years, then I'm not going to care. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that people got to pay attention to. Like, you got to think about like exactly how is it that like, you know, when you dollar cost average into a long term position, there's nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, in my opinion, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. You know, the folks in whom much that I know that have made it wealthy um, and that have those wealth conversations when we have them with each other, you know, we don't care. It's just something that we can add on to the existing portfolio to increase the position. And we could just got it for a good price because it was cheaper than the price that we originally paid. Also, just like, especially for newer um, investor slash trader, you know, the importance of identifying which what your styles and all that is, but also for your portfolio, your account, it has to have, you have to give it some type of purpose. You can't just have an account just to have an account because the purpose or the intention of that account will also inform what goes in that account, the strategies you use, if you're looking for something as a trader or an investor, all of those things will make the difference. A lot of this, you know, um, building wealth starts in the mind, like being intentional about what you're doing and what you're building instead of, you know, following this narrative and then jumping on this and then getting out, breathe, (laughs) breathe, slow it on down, get really clear about who you are in relationship or in relation to your wealth journey, because it's yours. It's no one else's. It's yours. And so that's, that's the thing, like, you know, it's so easy to fall in. Like I said, you know, if you don't hear anything that we talked about, because we're pretty much at the end, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to block out all the noise and sensationalism and just focus on whatever it is that your plan was, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, keep your, keep your group small as it pertains to essentially like, how is it that you receive your information, what your information diet is, and also what your risk appetite is, you know, and then on top of that, it's like, once you've made a decision on something, you know, like, and if it aligns with your purpose and plan, mm-hmm. go for it, you know? And like I said, know, like if you're in your, like, know what side of the spectrum you're thinking. And if you're like, you know, like I think uh, trading with uh, Marcus came in here and said that, you know, I'm, I'm investor binary. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, if you're investor binary, then it's like at that point in time, then if you're a trader today, then you're a trader. If you're an investor today, then, you know, okay, hey, well, what is it that I'm investing in? But you just got to know the difference as it pertains to what is it that you're doing? Um, and also look at the intent as it pertains to what this portfolio's focus is. What are the goals? Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. A lot of folks, a lot of folks will set, say, for example, trading goals on an investment on an investment plan, or a lot of folks will go with a trading plan with an investment goal. Yeah. And it's like, get clear. It doesn't align. It doesn't align. <laughs> spend that t- spend that front time getting clear before yeah. you put those dollars <laughs> behind what you're doing. But um, we're one minute over and you know <laughs> it's dinner time and game time and family time and all the times. So yes. Well, thank you all for watching. We hope that you were able to grasp some information here because you know, like we say here on the app, whether it's events, yards, class, or the calf, we're all connected to the app. And in this particular case, it's the market, which is, you know, our university. And so uh, keep studying, keep researching, keep learning, because the more you learn, the more you earn. And stay focused, be kind. Until next time, I am Mark Monroe. And I'm Jalen GC in the place to be. And this has been your come up. Thank y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Hey.